Hey, it's Jay. And uh, of course, this episode is coming out during the throes of the COVID-19 crisis. And I really do hope you're doing well, that you and your loved ones are safe and healthy, and that we all get through this together. Before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about two different things. And it has to do with the time we're living through right now. So the first thing is something new that's on offer from me. So every Tuesday, I'm hosting an Instagram Live. My handle is J, just the letter, J, Akunzo. And it'll be 1.30 Eastern every Tuesday that I go live. And we're going to talk about creating through adversity. So if you'd like some creative catharsis, some insight into creativity and the process behind it, if you'd like to connect with fellow makers and marketers, come and join me a group of people that I find pretty awesome and a special guest every single week on my Instagram live. I'm calling this the one star club. Why? Because what do we do as makers? We make no matter what we make through adversity and we do it all the time. If you get a one star review from your podcast listeners, are you going to stop creating? No. If you get a one-star review for your book, are you going to stop writing? No. And look, obviously, this is a very different thing than a one-star review. But at a time like this, people need to create consistently more than ever before. We need to find and share our voices and help make a difference. That doesn't mean addressing COVID-19 overtly. It could just mean providing education and entertainment the way you always have. It could mean finding solace yourself in the act of creating. So the One Star Club celebrates and deconstructs creativity together with other people because creators create through adversity. That's every Tuesday, 1.30 Eastern on my Instagram, going live with you and a guest. All right, the second thing that I'd like to talk about is how I'm approaching my podcasting right now. So I've decided to move three clips to an every other week show because I'm facing a little bit of a time crunch as I balance work and daddy daycare with my daughter who's very young, 15 months. So I'm going to every other week on three clips and I've decided not to overtly address the public health crisis. That's not what this show is for and perhaps that's not why you come to it. If you're looking for my voice to talk you through some of the harder things, that's why I write my daily blog at jayaconzo.com. But for three clips, I am going to continue to focus on creativity and making things, especially things like podcasts that can help you find and share your voice and make a difference with your audience. So we're going to stay right at home in the world of podcasting in some ways. Okay, all that aside, let's get to an incredible episode. This episode does talk about creating consistently. That's why I wanted to run this right after my little disclaimer there, because this episode profiles a podcast called Recur Now. It's a podcast for companies that have recurring revenue, subscription revenue, commonly SaaS or software as a service, but also media and direct-to-consumer subscriptions and other types of recurring revenue business models. And it's from the company ProfitWell, which is a software company based in Boston and Argentina and Salt Lake City, Utah. ProfitWell has an entire network of shows. They are among the leaders in this movement of marketers making shows. And most of them are video, but they do have a great podcast called Recur Now. So what is it about consistency that makes me think of Recur Now? It's a daily podcast. It's not The Daily from the New York Times. It's not from a media company. It's from a software company, and they make a daily podcast. Oh, yeah. So we're going to hear some of the rationale, some of the process, and a few of the smaller hidden choices that go into making something that seems really difficult to do, even as you and I struggle to do a weekly show, maybe, make a daily podcast. How in the world does that go down? This is Three Clips. Welcome back to another episode of Three Clips. As always, I'm your host, Jay Akunzo, the founder of MarketingShowrunners.com. We're a media and education company that covers and advances this movement of marketers making shows. We want to serve a very specific type of marketer who believes in finding and sharing their own voice, making a difference with the shows they create, and together with the community they build, shifting something about the world for the better. Your industry, the culture at large, you name it. So for those service-minded, audience-first marketers, we make this show and lots of content over on the Marketing Showrunners blog. Today, we're talking to Abby Sullivan, who is the co-host and also the executive producer. She kind of owns the creative and the direction and is the buck stops here person on Recur Now, that daily podcast from ProfitWell. 
So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation deconstructing the show with Abby. So Abby, if you had to pitch your show, we call this the studio pitch, but it's like the classic idea of going into a Hollywood studio and having to anchor people and their understanding of the feel of the show and the exploration you're on to other things that already exist. So it's like X meets Y meets Z, or it's like this show or this inspirational source meets our industry. That's the studio pitch. So if you had to recur now, how would you pitch recur now? Yeah, so this was a toughie for me, but I took a lot of inspiration from uh, NPR's Up First, which is a daily show that's super quick, super succinct, and very informative. Um, a couple people on the show, a couple different voices, uh, somewhat opinionated, but just very professional and put together. So I would say that Recur Now is essentially Up First meets SaaS, meets subscription, recurring revenue, pricing, uh, you name it. All that good stuff that you guys explore. Yeah, I like that. And I I also, I want to be clear because, you know, especially for uh, returning listeners to three clips, but even if you're new, we do the studio pitch a lot. We talk about different inspirational comps a lot to shows that we deconstruct or to show hosts that we talk to like you, Abby. But that's only because we believe in the minutia creativity is very attainable for all. Like our, our core driving thesis and the reason we're doing it three clips style instead of meandering interview style is we believe creativity is just the sum total of lots of little choices and those choices can be made by all. But when you roll up the sum total into a new show, it does feel somehow new. And I remember when, like I was talking to Patrick Campbell, your CEO a while back, he and I worked together at Google. So we, we kind of had this longstanding relationship. And when he was branching into shows and then out came Recur Now as one of those shows, it, I know he's insistent on you guys being an original. So so that's I just a big caveat here to everybody listening. It's not like we're saying go copy everyone and stop. It's just that in the minutia, there's a lot of things that feel very attainable to do. And again, the collection of all your choices creates an original. And I, I just wanted to lay that out there. I don't know if that resonates with you, Abby, but that's kind of my perception of not just Recur Now, but of all these series we're profiling. Totally. And that's why it was kind of difficult for me to think of this pitch style per se, because of course you take inspiration from things some more heavily than others, whether they're in the industry or not in the industry. And we, at the core of this show, wanted to create something that hasn't been done for the B2B SaaS industry. So like I said, it was difficult for me to choose one show. Yeah this industry. Um, That's something that Patrick, as you said, our CEO um, was super keen on establishing when we came up um, with the idea for this daily. Talk to me about when you guys were coming up with this, what were you thinking about? Maybe, maybe put it from the lens of your audience. Like why create Recur now from your audience standpoint? Like what was the need? Yeah. So this was a super in-depth process. It actually started with um, when I was hired, I was the first content marketing hire. Um, And since then, that was a year and a half ago. And we've grown exponentially since then. Now I have full support of an entire team, which is awesome. Um, So like I said, in the show, we have different voices and we want everyone in the show to be an expert in their different realm. We have Grace, who's um, the D2C queen. We have James, who's all about subscription media and retention. And then we have me, which is kind of like the overarching voice for B2B SaaS. Um, But that it took a while to get there. So when I first started, um, pretty much the only direction Patrick gave me was, hey, we're creating a daily show. I want you to be the scripter of it, the creator of it, the publisher of it, and the face of it. So you and our video producer go figure it out. So we started with a show called Subscription 60, which was 60 seconds of news um, every morning, my face in front of the camera every day, um, running down the news, kind of not as focused as we wanted. It was, it was all SaaS, all subscription, all recurring revenue, um, big names, small names, medium names. And it was fun and it was successful, but it wasn't growing as we wanted it to. So that's something that Patrick is also very strict about. If it's not growing and we're not seeing the results we want, let's nix it and make it better. So we revamped the show into what is ultimately uh, recur now. Yeah. For months, um, I also spent time with our producer figuring out how we wanted to do that, how we wanted to reshape it, reformat it, who we wanted on it, um, 
what topics we wanted to hit. Um, we needed to get more focused. We needed to focus our audience, like I said. So I've honed in on this a million times. B2B SaaS executives and operators. And we wanted it to be a show for them. Before we didn't have um, we didn't have the specificity that we wanted, and that really that our audience deserved. We were kind of going from from we had subscribers from you know employees to founders, and it just wasn't it wasn't niche enough. So we found after multiple rounds of feedback, um, surveys, and discussions, and interviews with our actual listeners, um, what we figured out what they wanted. So with Recurrent Isle, like I said, it took months of research and trial and error. And what's what's interesting with um, a small team is that you kind of get in this analysis paralysis of like, okay, mm-hmm. we're creating this show and we might like something, but we can't figure out if our audience likes it until we just publish it. I think a lot of people try to perfect their content and they don't push it out until they think it's perfect, but you could think it's perfect. And then a week later you find out that no one's into it. No one's engaged. Um, so for us, it was about creating something, yeah. making sure we were proud of it, but not necessarily perfecting it. And then once we put it out there, listening to our viewers and then moving on from there. So we're constantly right. iterating on what we created. Um, I want to go into, I'd love to go into that research process briefly before we get to our clips. But actually a question before that is, is about, you know, you mentioned now, like the current state of Recur Now is you, you have the newsletter, you have the podcast, you have the the visual. Just, just for people that are not consuming this content, can you just describe what is going to the newsletter and what the visual is? Yeah. So um, every day is a very strict format. We have our introduction, uh, what we're going to talk about that day. Then we have three main news stories, what we call them as the news roundup. So each one will either be, either be a story about, um, let's say you know, like the streaming wars. And then in each news story, we pick out something that we have an expertise on and then give you our opinion on that. So we might say, okay, like today, for example, um, I'm writing about DAZN, the sports streaming service. Um, we found this article about them potentially um, doubling their pricing. And then we hone in, not necessarily on that story because everyone's touching on that story. We hone in the fact that they might be doubling their pricing, why, why they might deserve to, and why you maybe, or when you, when your business could. So we're trying to find stories that you might want to hear, but then putting our spin and adding our expertise into each of those. In addition to the news stories, we also find resources, for example, an ebook or a webinar coming up and an event that you shouldn't miss. Not They're not all profit while sponsored. It's not promoted. No one's paying to be on this show. Right. It's stuff that I'm finding that's really useful that you just don't have time to. There's so much content out there. It's it's like in your face. You don't know if it's if it's promoted. You don't know if it's someone's um, you know, being paid to, to uh, talk about it on Twitter. So for me, I'm finding stuff that I think is really good and bringing it to you and highlighting it every single morning. So that and so, round- and that, that's what goes on the newsletter. Yep. So every day it's a roundup of a mix of news and resources. It could be one news story, two resources. It's a mix of those two. That's the, the, the meat of it. And then we go into a segment that's supplementary to whatever we talked about in the news. So it might be um, an episode of one of our shows about pricing per se, if that has to do with um, one of the stories that we covered in the news section. And then uh, we do a teaser to wrap the show. It might be on some sort of content that we're releasing or something that may be, might be of interest to you. Um, then we wrap. So how did you bridge that gap between subscription 60 and recur now? You mentioned there was a lot of research and working with your producer. I would love if you just talk about two specific things within that um, big process. So, cause you mentioned it took months, so I don't want to belabor it, but two specific things. So one what was like the documentation? You know, we we talk about the importance of having a show Bible, which is like this templated, yep. you know, breakdown of a show, and that's your document. Um, so my first question is, what were you actually putting together or packaging so that the research, you know, didn't just stay in your head and, and become sloppy? So let's start there. Yeah. Okay. So this is interesting because we've we've gotten a lot better 
better, not even better, you know what, but more efficient and we have more resources to do this better now. So now when we start a show, I'll get back to kind of what we did prior, but now when we start a show, there's such an in-place process of positioning um, and, and editing and different rounds of how this is going to get better. Before, like I said, our content team has grown. Before, when I was the only content hire, I was working directly with my video producer and Patrick. Patrick was very hands-on in the content team. I mean, he still is. So with the Recur Now process, it was a lot of me sitting in a call booth for hours at a time, um, researching different shows, like I said, just listening to podcasts, writing down writing down how they formatted them, um, what questions they asked if it was industry specific, um, who they had on, how many viewers they had, if they were popular in social media, what their what their numbers were like on YouTube. I would I would document that on my own and just, you know, Google Docs type thing, Notion, and then bring it to my video producer. We would create um, different frameworks for shows and then present those to Patrick and kind of get his thoughts on them. So sometimes they'd be loose frameworks. Sometimes they'd be tighter. They got tighter and tighter as we went on. Um, but it was really just boots on the ground. Like I had never created a show before. So I, it was really just me saying, okay, I need to just delve into this, dive into it, swim through all these other people who are doing it well, um, and try to recreate that. So I don't know if you want me to get into the nitty gritty of like segments, for example, we want, we knew we wanted to create news every day or produce news every day. Yeah. That we are going to get into that. I guess like the follow-up question to the research thing, to the documentation thing is like, before you go to production, before you've made anything ahead of the new show recur now, at that point it was new. What do you have as like a guiding light or a documented strategy, if anything? Like, is it is it a list of just random ideas in Google Docs and then you try to formalize and tighten it later? Or were you like, here's the concept and like, here are the component pieces. How clear were you and how much of that was documented? Well, my real kind of um, gauge for how we were doing was subscription 60. So it was like taking that and trying to better it. And then it was like taking that and turning it on its head completely. Ultimately, I didn't know that was going to be what the case was. Um, but, but everything was documented. Um, and our teams are, are super, um, gung ho about documenting processes and, um, as efficiently as possible, even when it was just me. Um, so that when we hired more people, which we have now, it's become way more seamless. So yes, everything was documented. Everything, every trial and error was documented. So I would try something and I would write down, you know, what I researched, what I found, what I wanted to use, um, what we did use, what we then produced, because like I said, me and my video producer would sometimes just produce a super, a super bare bones version of what we wanted. And, um, then what we liked from it and what we didn't. So we did that for, for a few months. And then, like I said, we, we maybe got in this analysis paralysis and then figured we need to now just publish something that we're proud of. We don't know if it's perfect, but we're proud of it. And then get the feedback from our viewers and continue that trial and error. Yeah. I love that. Um, let's go to the first clip. So this is the most recent episode, uh, from, I think, I guess it'd be today cause you publish every, every weekday morning. And, uh, which we are going to touch on cause I'm tired just saying that. Um, and, uh, this is the very opening of the episode. So let me play the clip back and then uh, we're going to talk about it quick. Today on Recur Now, an undercover eBay operation. Plus Pipe, B2B SaaS financial platform raises 6 million smackaroos. But what's the buzz all about? And finally, David Cancel drops the mistakes he says can tank even the best business idea. All this and more today on Recur Now. From Profitwell's Boston HQ, it is Friday, February 28th, your last Recur Now of the month. I'm James Herrick. I'm Grace Gagnon. And I'm Abby Sullivan. It is another beautiful day to subscribe. Up first, your news. All right. So this is evocative in many ways of other like video based shows that you've done where it feels officially official. Like it feels like this could come from a media company. And one example in the video shows is when somebody from ProfitWell is, say, breaking down the good and the bad of a software company's pricing page. And I'm talking, of course, of, about pricing page teardown. Yep. There's a Chiron on the screen. There's that graphic, that little 
horizontal um, rectangle with some words in it, like there are things about the production flourishes that make it feel like this is coming from a larger media organization and not a, a tech startup based in a few cities around the world. Like you guys don't have thousands of employees. So one of the things I, I look at here is it feels like a new show. It feels like these are news anchors. You have the, the the tone of voice. You have the music. You 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 open up by recounting what will come, just like a regular news show. Um, but while that's great, I think there's like three factors that could cause absolute panic in a marketer. And I'd love if we could talk about each because I think you you might have some wisdom and, and maybe some comfort to share with people who aspire to do what you do. So let me just point out these three things, and then we'll break them down one at a time. So there are three hosts. You learn that right away. And we're actually going to table this point until our second clip, but there are three hosts. So you have to juggle that. The second is there's, this is a news show. In other words, you discuss timely things or maybe not. I don't know. We'll talk about that too. And then this is a daily show. And again, I'm just tired saying that out loud. So we'll table the three hosts idea until the second clip. But number two there was, this is a news show. Can you walk me through the process of how you make a news show? and where you source your material and how you think about it. Like what's your intake system and how is that different than say doing an interview show with a guest? I have, um, I subscribe to everything. Right, <laughs> right, right in your work inbox. I mean like, well, how do you stay sane? I guess is the real question. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of folders. Um, we actually have a dedicated Twitter account, um, that I've created to follow, um, hundreds of different companies in the industry. Um, a lot of our neighbors, because a big, big part of the show is featuring the little guy, featuring our neighbors in the space, featuring, and I don't mean to say little guy as in um, condescending, but featuring our neighbors, featuring the drifts, the marketing showrunners, the wistias. We don't necessarily want to highlight all the time the apples, the Netflixes, because yeah. unless we have something unique to offer with that story, because everyone else is covering that. So for me, I, I do subscribe to a lot of newsletters and podcasts, and I have a dedicated Twitter account just to this show. Um, the thing is, it's actually harder to narrow it down than it is to find stuff, if that right. makes yeah. Well, before we get to the narrowing down, I want to touch on the idea that you don't feature the pure, you know, giant players. That to me is a shortcut a lot of shows use for growth because they're like, I will attract more audience if I talk about something um, bold that Salesforce did or yeah, like a Netflix did. Then if I talk about a small company with uh, a dozen employees in Salt Lake City that just raised $6 million, like, or hasn't raised anything and has no like headline to highlight about what they're doing, but you think they did something interesting. So it's really obvious why a lot of shows retreat towards the big names, both guest wise, like people wise and brand wise. How do you, when you lose that ability to say, oh, we deconstructed the biggest news story from the biggest player, when you lose that, what do you gain when you go deeper with uh, the smaller guys, or at least, like you said, the, the the less hyped people and companies? Like, what what's the pro of doing that? Right. Well, that was something that when I first started uh, with Subscription Sixty, I was I was searching for some big news, big names, um, and I, I knew that this show wanted to cover the subscription news you need to know, you know. And so, I when I would read something about um, Netflix slashing its prices or Disney plus launching. I thought I have to, I have to feature this because how could you not, you, you know, this is a show about subscription news. People who are watching this want to know about Disney plus. And then Patrick taught me, he's, he's like, if you go, if you're not even looking for this news, you'll, you'll know Disney plus is launching. So the benefit for us to, to feature the, the smaller guy or our neighbors is that we're bringing to light news that 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 is worthy of our audience's time and knowledge, but isn't necessarily getting in front of their eyeballs. I I preach depth. You mentioned at the top of the show, Patrick, I know believes in depth, also wants to see show growth. And if he's like, hey, the, the show's not really growing, a very easy response is, well, yeah, because we're featuring Acme Inc. that no one's ever heard of. Why don't we feature more Netflix? Why don't we feature more MailChimp and Salesforce? Like, why is that not something you then go to, right? So clearly there's 
it's the right kind of growth and you're trying to profile the right people because you guys are tastemakers, you're earning trust, you're trying to go beyond the surface level. And and I love that. So that was th- this idea that you had, you needed this like intake system. You mentioned it's kind of overwhelming, but it's not hard to find some non-sensational, non-giant brand material to cover, right? The Twitter uh, profile you set up, newsletters you subscribe to, finding stuff is not the hard part. Whittling it down is hard. And when your filter for whittling it down isn't pick the biggest brands and the biggest news stories, what is your filter? How do you whittle down that list? Well, it's like you said earlier, you know, I might find something interesting that that isn't, you know, number one on Google News. Um, but if I find something interesting, our, our audience is going to find it interesting. I think, you know, not that I'm the end all be all opinion over here on B2B SaaS, but I think I've been doing this long enough that, because I do it every single day, that I've seen good content and I've seen bad content. There's so much stuff out there that is like clickbait. It's very, uh, there's listicles. You might, I might see a headline that I think is going to be so cool and so awesome for our audience. And then I open it up and it's one graphic with a list of 10 things, not, you know, 10 business mistakes you're making now. That's not what our audience wants. I, I do have to commend our content team. We create actionable stuff. It's like the hubs. We want to be like like the HubSpot of SaaS. HubSpot offers you all this stuff for free. It's giving you actionable insights. It's giving you, it's teaching you things. When I was, when I first started out in this, in, in even marketing, I took all of those HubSpot courses and classes for free. And now I have this crazy brand affinity and brand loyalty for them. And I respect them. And now I see us doing it over at Prof, doing, you know, creating content for our people to, to, to learn something. Um, so I, I, I base it a lot off of our content. Um, so when I see stuff that, that is, has data to back it, that has, um, credible opinions that has actionable advice, that's what I feature. And it's just a plus if it happens to be someone that, that we know or someone, um, that we respect or, 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 or a software that we happen to use. But like I said, no content on the show is promoted or paid for. It's all chosen by me or my colleagues might send me something they think is um, worthy of mentioning. But it's really just trying to culminate um, the good stuff, weed out the bad stuff and, and bring it to you so it's a little easier for you to get better. I want to go to the third cause of panic, which is maybe the most obvious if somebody's looking at this or is asked to make a show like Recur Now. They're like, what, a daily show? I mean, <laughs> give me a break. I can barely get out one episode a week. And also on the listener end, you know, and maybe this is why it is newsy and snappy and short, the listener has to have time to catch up too. So let's start with the internal team um, and talk about the fact that it is a daily show. How do you make <laughs> a daily show, especially when it's not a hundred percent of your time. Uh, what's the planning and production process to ensure you have content every single day? And I don't think any detail here is too boring given what everybody in the audience that we reach does. Can you just start at the beginning? Like how do you produce this show? Walk me through that process. Okay. Yeah. So it's, we've gotten it down to a science. Like there are time frames. there are, and this was not always the way um, we had a lot of bumps along the road and sometimes, you know, we were up till 11 PM trying to produce for the next day, but now it is like totally seamless. So, um, I wake up and I actually work from home every morning because I am the type of person that needs like total silence when I am scripting. So I wake up, I scan, like I said, all the resources that I have come in, whether it's or as many as I can, um, all the, the newsletters that I sign up for, different podcasts, um, different companies I want to get updates from in my inbox, um, as well as that Twitter account. And I find the three stories or resources I want to feature for that day. Um, sometimes I might find some, like you said, there is also beauty in um, the fact that this show doesn't necessarily always need to be timely, because if I find an ebook that was produced, uh, published two years ago that I think is still helpful, I can include that. So I also have a backlog of resources that are solid, that are um, evergreen stories or evergreen resources that 
are not timely. And I just, can we just pause there for a second? The backlog idea eludes so many people where you need a well you can dip into predictably. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the modularity of your show in our third clip. So yet another tease here. And modularity, I think, is a way to have a well you can go back to. Um, you know, like I, I think of some of my favorite shows that have these recurring segments or recurring types of episodes. And you can tell they're easier to produce. They're still great, but maybe they're doing something more ambitious behind the scenes. So let's run out this easier to produce style episode today. That's one way to look at a backlog. It's the type of episode or module or block. But another is I just have all of these things that at any point I can bring up on this news show recur now, and it'll be relevant, right? And I, I think we don't have that um, necessary understanding of like the scaffolding behind us as individuals. Like we need an idea backlog. And uh, when I when I interned for ESPN, I had a sports writer tell me the reason he was so successful, the reason he's like a Hall of Fame baseball writer, is that it's his notebooks, which is not unique to a journalist. But he he's super obsessed with finding story threads and doesn't overthink whether or not it could be useful. He just dumps all these story threads and snippets and one-off quotes and stats into a notebook so that at any moment where someone else is agonizing over finding stuff, he already found it and now the job is pulling it. And that's the other beauty of the show is like, I'm creating it. No one's telling me that I have to make these timely news stories. Like I, I'm the one who's making them timely. So I might find some a story about um, some big wig company um, doubling their pricing. And then I say, I want to resurface this and and not necessarily resurface that headline, but the fact that this company successfully doubled their pricing and then they doubled their subscribers, let's say. Um, so yeah, the backlog is super, super helpful. This is where I think people get into trouble because they're like, we're going to do a daily show or even not, we're going to do a weekly show. They, they pick a recurring cadence and it sounds so good in their mind. And they might even have a few banked episodes. So they're like, great, we have three final episodes ready to go. We're three weeks ahead. But then they don't simul process the creation mm -hmm. of the next batch. So they blow through what they have. And that now they're at square one. And without taking a break, they never get out of this mode of every day I show up and I have to publish what I have that day. How do you avoid that issue and that stress? Or, or do you? Yeah. So that was actually like a crazy thing when we first started um, with Subscription 60 was that we were, we were kind of kept pushing out the launch because we wanted to make sure the process was totally set in place. Because when we did the first episode, it was this crazy rush of adrenaline and we did really well. And we were so excited. Production looked great. The email was set. The blog post was ready to go. We pressed send. We took the sigh of relief. And then we, and I looked at my video producer, Ben, and it's like, all right, let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> And then the next day, and then the next day, and the next day. So it, it, it is really, it's a big undertaking. But that process, having that process in place, like I said, I, I started I started with the scripting. Then we have such a set process of script approval from my manager, audio recording with my two coworkers, sending it out to um, to our, our now video producer. Um, he edits it, then comes back. I set up the email, the tweets, the social, the... Um, the, the graphics and then we press send. We have there's so many moving parts to it. We have about uh, let's see, two, three, four, five, you know, half a dozen people touching it every single day, and everyone has their time frame of when they're supposed to do it. Um, you know, when it goes out, when it's approved, when it's published, when it's finished, when it's scheduled. Um, so it's like it's just a total like everyone's like a cog in this perfectly precise uh, machine. I want to go to the second clip, and this clip is dedicated to that that one of the three causes for panic in a lot of people's minds is like oh my gosh multiple hosts so we've covered the fact that it's news we've covered the fact that it's daily there are multiple hosts let me play a clip evocative of that and then i have a couple quick questions for you about how you manage it all so here's the clip and now over to abby and david Kinsell on the business mistakes you need to run from real fast our friend David Kinsell over at Drift, the conversational marketing software, took to Inc.com to talk about three business mistakes that can tank even the best business idea. In it, he points to General Magic, the documentary about, quote, the most important company to come out of Silicon Valley. In 1990, General Magic set out to make a pocket-sized computer, he writes. The company was set to be huge, but instead became one of Silicon Valley's biggest failures. There were a lot of things that went wrong, but here are the three major mistakes that resonated most to me, says David. Here 
here they are. Number one, ignoring shifts in the market. When you're establishing a company, you need to look at what's happening in the market and create a product that aligns around that shift. And in doing so, it's not just about the product market fit, but the timing too. We can attest. We've done a lot of research on this and we'll link to some resources on product market fit in your subscriber newsletter so you can read on. Number two, losing focus on the... It seems like... This is a divide and conquer show. Like there there seems like there is some uh, the listener gets this idea of interconnectivity between the three hosts. But if you really, truly listen, there's no conversation. There's no banter over the top of each other. So my I'm putting my producer hat on now. You guys are recording these segments completely separately and it's stitched together later, right? Um, we actually so the first story is a back and forth. Of each show, um, the first is back and forth. The second is solo, and the third is solo. That's just like a, oh, okay. a formatting Great. thing that we have um, tried. You know, done a trial and error, and that's what we landed on. That's what we liked the sound of the most. Do you have separate beats? I mean, are you bringing in your voice or someone else's voice? I think you even hinted at that earlier in our conversation today. Like you're kind of specializing, or maybe your two colleagues on the show they have like distinct focus areas, correct? Exactly. So, um, ideal. So Grace is. Um, a D2C expert and um, James has a, a larger focus on um, on retention and media subscriptions. But that being said, they're both in all episodes, no matter what. I like to have their voice in a story, whether it's their their expertise or not, um, because I think that just listening to my voice for ten minutes would probably lose the listener. So that to us seems like it's an addition to um, hopefully amp up engagement. Um, and like you asked prior about the recording, we go into the studio together and record with our mics just so that we kind of have the rapport with each other, but it's not necessary. We can record remotely, um, but we would do, always do it over the phone so we can kind of hear each other and make it sound as natural as possible. One of the things that makes the show work is it's so modular. Like you do move through snappy, quick segments. You mentioned briefly what that rundown might look like. You said the first thing is recorded together. It's a conversation, or at least you're making sense of the same story. And then there's two solo pieces. Do you have a documented rundown of the episode? Like what are the modules? And then in addition to that, do you have any that are like backups or remixes to keep the show fresh because i think one advantage of a modular show is you can plug in and rip out things like okay every monday is x or every few weeks we do y so walk us through what the modules are and then how you keep it fresh by remixing it yep so every day it is the script looks the same in the um the format at least it is the intro block a news story block b news story block c news story um and block D seg supplementary segment to what we've talked about. And then the outro. Um, or I guess you could say it's also, if you want to re, if you want to edit this, but you could also say it's intro block A is three news stories or resources. Block B is a supplementary segment. Block C is a teaser for some future content. And then the outro. Um, so we've changed, we've changed smaller things throughout the last, let's say six months. Um, we haven't changed the big like umbrella format too much um, because we want to launch to this bigger group. We want to narrow down that audience like we talked about prior and then figure out what they want, what they like and dislike. So we've swapped some things around, but we've also um, you know, had, had many brainstorm discussions and, and um, talked about having either like a weekly offering or extending um, the news block to just be one long story and have a, a bunch of different people come in with their expertise to do it, do multiple interviews. So just do one long in-depth story because, so like I said, we haven't necessarily experimented with that as much as I'd like to talk about on this podcast, but we have plans to do that. And the beauty of it is that's a daily show. So it's not, there's not all this pressure to make it so make it so perfect and make it, um, you know, hope that one format or something we try some experimentation is, is it you know it's like we try it it work the next day we start anew okay let's go to the third and final clip here we go this is actually from the very end of this episode and finally a teaser for the profit well book club with abby featuring teen zuo's subscribed and that's up on monday the profit well book club breaks down relevant industry books finding the lessons that matter we read from cover to cover so you don't have to Find this and more like it on RecurNow.com.
And that's it for your final February episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow for more and don't hesitate to reach out to me at abby at recurnow.com if you have news to spread or input on any topic we cover. Our ProfitWell crew is constantly expanding. Be sure to check out profitwell.com slash careers if you want more info on what it's like to join forces with us. And this has been a Recur Studios production, the fastest growing subscription network out there. If you find use for this show, subscribe for more like it at profitwell.com slash recur. So what I find fascinating about the idea of a show is what the interconnectivity of episodes allows you to do that most like quote unquote pieces of content do not. And so like one example of that is you get to go deeper, you get to explore things on, a, on an ongoing recurring basis. Ha 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 Anyways, um, but the idea of like shows allow for depth in a world that is often trending more shallow. Now, not only shows you can write a great essay you can have a great speech you can have a great meeting but the nature of the show is like it almost precludes you from doing anything shallow at all because it's a recurring thing whether the episodes are long or not doesn't matter it's the serialized or episodic nature of this and yet most shows especially from marketers don't acknowledge that it's a journey that this is actually unfolding over time. Maybe when they say subscribe for more, but you're making it even more overt by saying coming up on Monday. Why that decision? And how do you make sure that you actually understand the impact of it? Like, do you sense that there's this growing movement or journey? So why that decision? And what are you hearing or sensing because you link all these together? Yeah, I guess it's just kind of, well, one, admittedly giving yourself the credibility that we're going to create this for you no matter what, whether you watched or not. Um, and B, I guess the assurance that we are coming back, we're still going to give you this content. If you're subscribing, if you're loyal, we're loyal to you as a viewer. I definitely want to see that. And I find myself more engaged with a podcast, a show, an article. Um, if there is some sort of, um, if there's some sort of suggestion that there's more content coming, that is similar to what we've already given to you, but still fresh. There are a lot of calls to action at the end of, of this show and, and really any show, if you really listen to it, um, especially shows coming out of brands where you've pointed us to multiple URLs and multiple actions we can take. And I, I joke that there's like, we, we need to think more like Dr. Strange. So like, bear with me for a second, Abby, because this is, this is a metaphor that's super nerdy and weird, but in in the Avengers, uh, like last two movies, Infinity War and Endgame, Doctor Strange like travels through time to see the future of this incoming battle, and he's like, "I've traveled to the future to see fourteen million six hundred and seven realities." And Tony Stark, Iron Man, is like, "And how many did we win?" And he goes, "One." And I think about that when I think about the ending of our episodes because I'm guilty of this too. It's like we have fourteen million six hundred and seven calls to action for you. And it's like, how many do you people actually take or how many should we have at the end? One. <laughs> so I don't know how you come at this. I certainly struggle with this. I'm like, we have this, but then that, and they're all important. Yeah. And so like you guys have a few calls to action. So how are you grappling with that? Is there any clarity that we can find as marketers? There is grappling totally because um, Patrick would probably kill me um, that that's <laughs> that the, the we've added more than one. So you used to just like the one concise We've recently added uh, my manager and I in our um, in our talent acquisition. Sam um, decided to add that into the end um, about joining forces with us because we're hiring across the board. The CTA thing is interesting. Uh, Patrick is very gung ho about one, at least with um, emails uh, specifically. I have a hard time because when I'm creating anything. Um, and specifically, obviously, the show every day. I try really hard to think about what I, as a listener, would want to hear, what I heed. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, not all industry specific, but if I'm just listening to a podcast on my walk to work, I find that the the CTAs that resonate with me are the ones, or, or CTAs are going to resonate with me if they're going to resonate with me, if that makes sense. I I, I can hear five. And if I'm going to, to, if there's a coupon code for something I like, I'm going to go and add that coupon code. And I don't necessarily think this is my own view, not necessarily reflective profit. Well, that I will heed the one that 
that makes the most sense to me. And and if I hear five, I'm not going to be confused and forget the first one, if that makes sense. No, totally. It's like, here's our catalog of uh, different clothing items. And like, as you flip through it, some will be like, oh, I like that. And you'll ignore the rest. And so what you're saying is like, there are many ways to keep in touch or go deeper or get more of this. And if you say four or five in a row, one of them, you know, number four is going to cause some listeners to go, oh, okay, that one's that one's for me. I'll do that. And it was almost like predestined that they would do it anyway. It's the way they think. Um, they're not the type of person that does one, two, or three. So giving them the options is like saying, there are many ways, pick the one that you like the most. Right. But that being said, there are, we've done a bunch of A-B testing on this. This is not our, um, that's just one example of a clip of an ending. Um, and I think that doing that is super, super valuable, not just kind of like setting it and forgetting it. As in like you continue to experiment with the ending is what you're saying? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and when, what were the results of that A-B test? Is there something you could share publicly? No, so we just started adding in the um, the note about hiring. So um, like last week, so we haven't looked at, I know I haven't connected with Sam about whether or not that's been effective. Sure, and I, I do feel like when you talk about ROI, we, we usually it's a blunt instrument approach yeah. that marketers have. There's so many ways to look at how do you get a return from doing this, like, you know, the classic idea of brand in the business school sense is it enables everything you do to work better. Like you have a web page that people hit and because they are uh, in love with your brand already, the traffic, some traffic that knows you already will perform differently than the rest. Uh, it enables sales to go outbound cold to a prospect. And when you call from ProfitWell, it, people are more likely in the SaaS industry to say, yes, oh, you guys do great stuff on the content side. You can't then say, great, we've attributed this specific episode of this specific show to that specific salesperson's call going well, right? And I think this is another example where asking people can help, like employees you hire. That's another way of looking at the value of the brand you're building. Uh, There's all these nuances. Um, So quick point on the ending, on like the multiple calls to action. We, We broke down the show binge mode and how they make their opening housekeeping incredibly entertaining by developing inside jokes and recurring gags with what is ultimately the same script, but they play with it. And so it's become like this thing, this wink and nod thing for their power listeners, their super fans. And even if you're new to the show, you're like, okay, they, they get it too. This is housekeeping and they're having fun with it. So that's like one way to do it. The other is I think you can place something behind it. Almost like when you have a media company making a podcast, they'll tease what comes after the ad. So you want to stick around, right? And so you can kind of put something after it. So what we're doing is we're going into the archives of our articles and we're looking for the most impactful, popular articles we've written. And we do a recommended read as the last thing we say every episode, which comes after the credits, after the music. So I have no idea if it's actually going to work. Um, we can look at drop-off rates and things like that over time if we want to. But our guts are telling us, like, if we're listening, why are you sticking around through the credits? The host has to have fun with it. It can't be monotonous. And maybe there's extra value buried beneath it. Maybe we try that. Um, so there's verbal ticks, verbal cues you can give the, the listener. Those are called signposts. So that's my, like, worst case scenario, maybe we try that. Yeah, signposting was actually something that took me a while to get used to. And Patrick like nailed it in to me because he's like, for me, I thought I was being almost, I don't know what the word is. I felt like I was being too obvious for the audience. And Patrick's like, you can never be too obvious. Like use the signposting and use it again in every single section. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, I'm going to walk you through, bop, ba up, ba up. Here we go. We're going. Here we go. Come on. Hold my hand. All right. Start. Yeah, I feel that same impulse. That's how I felt when I started too. And then I would just like listen back or seek feedback and I would get that same thing. And I, I think Patrick is so, so right. And to my listeners here on Three Clips, just to clarify, we're not talking about dumbing down the content. We are talking about giving people little bits of that content so it adds up to a great in-depth experience. So don't dumb down and oversimplify the topics and the lessons. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is make sure you don't lose them. And the analogy I always use is when you write something, you can just give them the plate of food and they will sort of tuck into that meal however they see fit, right? And they can move backwards and forwards very easily or scan it or whatever. You can just place it in front of them when it's an article. When it's audio, 
there's so many reasons, like there's no screen or they're doing other things or just the nature of voice alone where you can put the plate in front of them, but you better sit next to that listener and give them one small scoop at a time. Because if you don't, they're going to be completely lost. They're going to be confused. They're going to be like, wait, what are they talking about? What section are we in? What was that confusing point? Who is this person? Uh, I'm lost. I'm bored. I'm out. Especially because now, if you think about when you're listening to podcasts, you're not normally sitting there with your eyes closed, total attention on it. Amen. You're commuting. You're sometimes working. You might be watching TV. You might be doing the dishes, laundry, whatever. So you need that to keep you, like you said, not dumbing it down, but just making it clear, as clear as you can so that the listener gets what you're trying to say. Otherwise, your message is lost. Final question for you, Abby. ProfitWell is doing a lot of shows and we'll, we have written about ProfitWell. We will continue to write about ProfitWell because you have that great blend of creative strategy and process and you're building a whole network of shows. As somebody who makes stuff for a living, what has either Recur Now or the broader idea of making shows, what's the response been like for all that work that you haven't seen in other types of work? I think what Patrick and our team has now created has been this platform for bringing to life what our company does. Since we're in SaaS, it can be oftentimes be more convoluted, more confusing for our audience. And for example, when I when I was applying for the job at ProfitWell, um, I was definitely intimidated about the SaaS factor of it all. Um, but seeing the content and seeing the faces behind it and, and the people who were making it and then meeting the team, it all just kind of came to life to me. So I think we create this kind of brand credibility and brand loyalty because we're bringing to life what we do through the actual people who are doing it. That's Abby Sullivan, the co-host of Recur Now from ProfitWell. A reminder that during the COVID-19 situation, you can find me on Instagram doing a weekly live call for creators, makers, marketers, podcasters, you name it. That's 1.30 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday. Join us for the One Star Club because makers make even through adversity. You can also subscribe to our weekly email. Now it's weekly, not monthly. We used to do monthly. Now we're moving to weekly because we're going on a journey to answer one very specific, very confusing question. What does it actually take for us to make our audience's favorite podcast? Every single week, we try to take a step in that direction, and it will culminate in a system we can all use and an online, interactive, cohort-based workshop where marketers do real work on their real shows together with us and their peers. So subscribe for free to this weekly journey to understand what it takes to make your audience's favorite show. Go to marketingshowrunners.com and click the subscribe button or see the show notes for a link. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe more firmly than ever, this work is not about who arrives or how many arrive. It's about who stays. So thanks for staying with me even through the tough times. And I will talk to you on the next episode of this show, at least for now, every two weeks. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This week's recommended read on the Marketing Showrunners blog. It's an article titled, For Marketers with Podcasts, A Popular Approach is the Same Reason Shows Fail. This article is one of the early entries in our weekly journey to understand what it takes to make their favorite podcast. And the problem with so many brand-built podcasts is that we make what's called a transactional podcast. In other words, it contains transactional value. In this post, I tried to reveal what transactional value even means and how to identify it, the problems in creating content that contains it, and the categories of transactional shows that are out there. In the entry that follows this post, I'll then attempt to understand what can we do instead of make a transactional show. So learn the problems with the status quo, the typical approach to marketers making shows, and then join our journey every week to answer that question of what it takes to make your audience's favorite podcast. Check out the Marketing Showrunners blog for this article or click the link in your show notes.